is we saw Jesus and he was beautiful. And, uh, and also there are ample no And there, there's nothing good about them. If you don't know what a no is, just go north about an hour and a half and they'll, they'll make their presence known. So uh, it was a great, it was a really great time. I was, um, I'm always grateful when we begin to wrestle with things like this. You know, we really uh, want to protect this house. That was our theme for the weekend. Um, a guy named Bob Bumgarner came and just spent time with us. And um, I think what he really did is just open the word of God and said, um, this is who he is. This is who you are. Um, let's watch these two power forces come together so that the spirit of Jesus Christ is within you. And I think there's something beautiful. It, it may or may not sound beautiful, but there's something beautiful and powerful about the men after God's heart singing the songs of the living God together. And uh, Bob, um, you know, used some manly illustrations for us so that, you know, we could at least feel oorah for a couple of moments. And one of the, I was thinking about us singing this morning and just this powerful reality of what we're praying for as men. And I think what God laid in our hearts as, as I was um, debriefing yesterday with the several of the guys, it was really this, okay, we've, we've, got to un, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to unfold what's happened in the last 24 hours, which is, you know, weirdly how long we were there, because there was a lot that went down in 24 hours. But we, um, we've got to take some time to just get and write down some of the things that are heart cries for us. And so um, we, we were just saying, Lord, we, we want your glory to be made known. We want to protect the things that you have given for us to steward. And uh, one of the things that Bob just talked about was um, special forces and just the reality of the training and the equipping and the heart and the diligence and the passion and also um, what is easily done and, and in fact is almost provoked in the circles of the special forces, which um, I, I won't try to be as savvy as Bob was. I didn't research this. I just listened to him this weekend. But those of you that are or have been, or if you have been, you are a special forces person. Um, there is this uh, clarion call of diligence and heart and stridency and zeal and passion and committedness, while at the same time there is an icon that sits to the side that says, you can ring your way out of this at any moment, at any time. And there's a, literally a bell that sits at the edge of a guy that's going after, Bob spoke about Navy SEALs, and sits on the edge of that. And one of the points when he was sharing the story, he said not only that, but the officers and the guys who are, who are training the men, the, the, uh, the, they're driving them into the very depths of what they can experience and pushing them to the edges of what they're about. They'll just actually set up in one of the drills and cook out right there and say, look, if you want to come and chase this, this temporal pleasure, this hamburger, this, this music playing, you can dance under this tent, just ring that bell. And I, and I love what they said. And this is my prayer for, um, for us. I love what Bob said. He said, there's something powerful when they're neck deep in mud and they're staying in the midst of that mud. There's something powerful that often happens that men begin to sing together in that extraordinarily 
powerful and prolific moment when everything that says distract them from the reality of what they're about and what they're seeking to achieve, they begin to unite with one voice and this one heart saying, oh God, protect this house, the house of my heart first, because there are bigger schemes and bigger things that you have for me. So holy God, I will not ring the bell out, but I can't stay in this together. And the thing that excites me the most is to know that there's a group of men, not only that just went off with us, but there is a group of men that make up this church that look at one another and say, we will with our hearts, with our soul, with our mind, and sometimes when Ryan makes us with our voices (laughs) sing the songs of the goodness of God together so we, none of us, will ring the bell. And so I I want to tell you that there's a um, heart cry from a group of us that were away, that we're, we're not checking out. Amen? And we're not praying that so that you look over at the guys wearing the t-shirts. We're just saying we're not checking out on what we believe God wants to do and protecting and guarding and living for his name. And understanding his redemptive story and how he longs for us to move forward that story. And so we, we want today to just say there's no, there's no bell in this room. Other than our hearts and the songs of who we are saying, Jesus, you are enough. And we are called faithful. And I, I want to give you my two thoughts that will lead into communion just out the gate. Um, one of them I shared last week. You know, we don't say this because we had a weekend. We say this because we have a Savior. We say this because we have a Redeemer. And we are called faithful because of His Son. And we endure faithfully, and I don't say this lightly, we don't ring the bell because of His Son. You and I are going to gather at a table in just a moment, and for us, uh, close what is a season of Easter, but an unending passion of our hearts that we worship a resurrected Savior who is resurrecting me and you. And we um, close this season at a redemptive table saying, Lord, we are called faithful, we are called whole, we are called redeemed because we are children of the Son of God. We are people who are under His name and His glory. And we, we are a people who are redeemed and we don't check out because we um, live as a people who have been made whole. I would simply like to read from the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, Um, a verse that settles us in the redemptive work of God in Christ. The verses that precede this tell us of a very, um, very prohibitive and painful lot that we have. We are dead and we are overtaken by the rulers and the authorities of this world apart from Jesus. But the two best words in scripture launch Ephesians 2 verse 4. We are caught up in our thoughts. We are by nature children under wrath, as others were also. And here are the two best words that you can shout out as a heart's cry before God. But God. So we come to this redemptive table because of the redemptive hope of God. You and I are called faithful because of the Son of God. But God, who was rich in mercy... Because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead. 
want to pause as a follower of Jesus and go, praise you, Lord, for the truth and reality that I was once dead. But the song of my heart is a song of a living being made alive by Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We were dead in our trespasses, but you are saved by grace. He also not only saved us, but raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavens in Christ Jesus. So that, so that in the coming ages, he could display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's of God. It's not so we could boast. It's so we could just rally around the cross and say, God, it is your name. It is your glory. It causes me to endure. I will not ring the bell. Why not? Not solely because um, I have been challenged or I have been charted, but because, God, I've been made alive. It's not an option anymore. It's no longer on the table. God, we are walking in who you have for us. I am not about works. I have nothing to boast about, for I am his workmanship, created for God and purpose for his good works, for the glory of his name, and he has prepared them. Let's get after it. That's the redemptive table that I invite you into today as the people who are alive in Jesus. Hallelujah. And so I, um, I want to maybe think back. Some things went down this week. One of our partner organizations are fulfilling this idea that, God, we are alive. We not only, ha- listen, not only have you been rescued out of your sin and death, but you have been seated with Jesus. I know I just read that, but we should probably settle that. Like you have been lifted in and your life is a song of the heavenlies. And that's why we will sing together. These songs in the middle of the trials of making our way through this life, we'll look at one another and we'll say, God, as for me, as for you, as for our house, as for this body of believers, we will serve the Lord. We, we have been experienced this beautiful rescue of the living God as he went outside the camp to draw us in. And I, I, I got that this week as this, this diligent passion for the work that God has purposed for us was lived out as I grabbed texts and emails. One of our partner organizations, I'm on um, social networks, so I won't name that organization right now, that works in this city, um, works out as birth out of the heart of this church, in fact, out of the people of this church. Um, I, I just think you should know what's going on. It's a bigger story than you see week in and week out because we have been met by Jesus outside the camp. We have been met by Jesus, if you think of this, the circle of Philippi, crying out, saying, God, we need hope. And he has drawn us into the reality of his hope. And so, the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, likewise, we go outside the camp and we meet people outside for the sake of the hope of the gospel. And you should just know this, that in this past week, because of the diligent work of this past year, one of our ministry partners in this city have seen 64 people say yes to Jesus. Yeah, that was a big amen. I mean, we have in the past um, week in this city, not somewhere distant, in this city, 
experience multiple people from multiple nations just stepping outside the camp and saying, God, here's the diligent work of the gospel. We won't ring the bell. We won't stop. It's a difficult work. It was challenging back in September. We don't know if we have resources, but God. And I was grabbing text this week and just celebrating the faithfulness of God. And church, we're a part of that. Praise the Lord for the privilege of saying, God, it's not the biblical um, reality solely. It is a present reality of the call of our lives to step into the places outside the camp for the sake of his glory. Lord, I want to wake up. We were sitting in our small group this morning and just talking in, in our small group about the power of the mercy of God and the call on each of our lives. We kind of broadened since I'm the pastor in the room. Um, the person teaching ours just kind of looked and said, um, we really think this is bigger than the pastor sharing the word. Although if your pastor doesn't point you to the word, you should take sticks and hit him. <laughs> but this is about every single one of us having this powerful, um, trembling reality of the holiness and the wonder of God that we carry with us, dwelling among us as the people after God's heart. And I, I want to wake up every day feeling fundamentally incapable and feeling fundamentally realistic that, Father, apart from your strength and apart from your work within me, I'm going to ring the bell today. But I've been made alive with Jesus, and I have been filled with his purpose, and I have been given the mystery and the wonder of this day, and I have the extraordinary anticipation that you have purposed this day for your glory. And so I want to walk about in that day, and it, I forget this truth of Scripture, that, holy God, for me to go outside the camp is to wake up again tomorrow. To wake up again tomorrow believing that it's a mysterious gospel wondrous day and that your mercies, your redemptive work is new every single morning. And every single morning I wake up and I consider what you have done in my life in past. But God, I am sitting in wonder about how you're going to use me because you have redeemed me in this day to speak the redemptive story outside the camp. And so, Father, I'm going to walk about this day believing that the mercies that you give toward me are enough for this day. And then I wake up again and I feast on the truth of who I am, of who I was, of what you have done for me of the truth that you've made me alive and I preach the gospel to myself even before I open the eyes so I engage the next day for the sake of the mercies of the cross of Jesus Christ that's the table that I invite you into today as we make our way through this day Lamentations 3 22 through 24 says because of the Lord's faithful love we do not perish for his mercies never end Praise the Lord, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I rest my hope in him. Coming to the table of the Lord to close an Easter season and to open our hearts to the redemptive work of God in Christ is to come to the Lord and say, I am so thankful for the redemption of my soul, not just my salvation, but God, I am thankful that you will redeem this day. It's new today. When I woke up this morning, your mercies were flying toward me. 
When I opened my hands and my mouth and my heart toward that, your mercies were already moving. And I just received that. It was, it was powerful if you were here for our Good Friday experience. We carried the weight of um, our shame and the weight of our brokenness around with us for quite a while. And we even went through um, this table of the Lord holding the weightiness and ultimately walking from the table to the cross and laying down the weight of our burden. And there was a particular moment, in fact, I have an image of this moment where we simply stood before a wall and just wrestled with this idea of God's mercy and the faithfulness of his mercy. And if I could draw you back there before, before we share as a body of, of believers together in the goodness of the power of the cross, we stood before a, a wall that was filled with statements and words of sin and shame, of brokenness and heartbreak. And as we walked through as an entirety of body over an hour, we simply took a piece of paper and we wrote the word redeemed. It's redeemed. And a wall that was filled with shame and brokenness, a wall that fulfilled, if you will, Ephesians, the second chapter that just simply poured out who we were before Jesus became a wall that was filled with one word that is a life-altering word. It has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Our lives and our brokenness are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we don't venture to a table of brokenness lightly. We venture to a table saying, Holy God, thank you for the power of the cross two years ago. But Holy God, thank you for the power of the cross today. The cross was new this morning, and it was moving my way. And God, the things that were in my life that have marred the cross, you, as I acknowledge them before you and lay them before you, you marked them redeemed for the sake of your glory. It was a freeing moment just to take the rocks of redemption and to drop them at the foot of the cross and to say, Lord, this is a weight that I don't need to carry, but you will. If you were a part of this, one of the most beautiful things as a pastor was to just simply watch the freedom and worship as rocks were laid at the foot of the cross. And I just, I just want to tell you, that is not a good Friday experience. That is a good every morning experience. Lord, your mercies are coming full on toward me this morning. Your mercies are coming full on toward me right now. And God, I want you to meet me where you are. And I want to be who you want. He will call us faithful because of his son. I read a story and, and I close. I read a story in First Kings. It was of Elijah and a widow. And it's a story really. It's my story. It just happens to be a widow. Elijah was speaking to a widow. And if you want to read the encounter later, you can write it in your notes. It's 1 Kings 17. He found her near the town gate and he called her and said um, something that was profound. He asked her for a little bit of water and a portion of her food. And I love her answer. If I could just put it in our terms, she was looking at him going... Can you not see that I have nothing left on my frame? But that's not how she answered. Can you not see that I'm carrying a pittance of flour and there's a little bit of oil and I have a kid 
who has nothing? And Elijah says, could you fix me a piece of bread? And her answer was beautiful. Why not? Why not? All I have left is a handful of flour and a bit of water. And my son and I, were going to go home, pick up a few sticks, build a fire, eat and die. So why not? I think what Elijah was saying to her is the same thing that the Lord says to us. Are you going to carry this around? Or can I have the redemptive work that I've already done? Can I have this? And, and I think he's asking, can I have your trust? Can I have you believe that I can take this and redeem this? Can I have your trust? He invites us to give him out of our little and out of our much, whatever we have. And in doing so, we place our confidence in his hands. That is the redemption message that we have been preaching for the last six weeks. That is the redemption message that you should preach to yourself every single moment of every day. Lord, here is my little, here is my much, here is my life. Lord, why not? Why not? Here's what 1 Kings 17, 13 and 14 says. Then Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put your last meal in my hand. Go and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf and bring it to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. Why not, Lord? I have little to offer. And the Lord looks and says, yeah, but here's what I have. I have the mercy of my cross and of my empty tomb moving toward you day in and day out. My story is the story of the widow. A penance. A little bit of oil. It was a particular season in my own life. I was um, Matt, it was your age, and I was in ministry, and I thought the church was perfect going in. And I quickly learned differently. God favored me with wise counsel, friends that shared the journey, brothers who walked in, in accountability with me, and a Christ-glorifying counselor. I was holding a pittance and some oil. And I, was, I wasn't really in the mood for why not. I was a little befuddled and frayed. And as I began to just sit down with the friend, he became a really good friend, but a counselor and just process with them. At one point he just invited me, as I believe ultimately Elijah was inviting the widow, just say, Martin, just tell God how you feel. It was, it, was, um, it was a room with confidentiality, so I felt a little bit of freedom. Because I had a lot of feelings about that particular moment and what was going on around me. And, I, and, I, and he just prompted me, and Rick, this is the antithesis of coaching, because he kind of prompted me, just tell him that you're angry. And so I started to just verbalize that, you know, God, I want to fill in this redemptive work. God, I'm... It didn't even feel right. I couldn't even say that. I couldn't even share because I wasn't angry. I could have probably said disappointed 
wearied a lot of things. And so I, I just kind of turned and just um, said these words. And I remember this prayer vividly. What came out was not, God, I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I'm disappointed. It came out with this, I'm tired and I'm young, Jesus. I'm tired. I'm weary. And then I started to describe some things I was experiencing. And here's what I heard from Jesus. I'm not. And that's my hope for you in this redemptive season. Not that you don't carry weights with you. Not that we don't walk through this wearying world at times frustrated, baffled, and disappointed. Not that God can't handle the weight of that. In fact, be fully prepared to say to him, Lord, I am weary. I am disappointed. I am working in a realm that I did not expect. And he will look back at you and say, I never grow weary. And I never lose heart. And I'm moving toward you in this day. And I welcome you in your weariness. And I welcome to take that off of you. And I welcome the redemptive work of who I am. And if you would just simply hand that to me, Mark, I am not. I am filled. I am full. I am complete. I know you are. I'm not. And that could possibly be the best news that I give to you as we sit down at the table. I just put this on the screen for you to fill in. Probably should have put it in the personalized eye, but it just says, we grow blank. But I want you to hear this. He does not. The table of the Lord is for often the weary and the heavy, heavy laden. And the Lord says, come to me. Come and experience my abundance. Come and experience the truth. Listen, listen. I wrote this and I, I, I pray that this would be your experience. Where Jesus said, I am with you. I am for you. I will not leave you. I am enough. And these are the words for the screen. Come to me with all that you have, even if it's a pittance and a drop of water. I am not, and I will never be lacking, says the Lord. So welcome to that table. Grace for this moment. Grace to remain. Grace to sustain. Grace for the weary. Grace for the hopeless. Grace for the impassioned. Grace for this moment grace to it. Jesus came alongside his disciples and said, you should remember this table often. You should gather here because while I am not, you are and often and I am enough. And he picked up a loaf, and I fully believe, much like we do, we have a better perception now, but much like we, they did not at all comprehend the fullness of what he is saying when he said, my body will be broken 
so that you can experience my mercies that are new every day. And then he held a common cup. And he said, these are the mercies that will flow from the cross, but they will flow from the power of the empty tomb, and they will do redemptive work, and they will come full throttle at you every morning. And every afternoon. And every evening. And every night. And I love the scripture in the Psalms. And through the watches of the night, as you sit restless and worried, I will move toward you with the mercies of the blood of Christ. And they will purify you. And you will revel. So I invite you, as a follower of Jesus, to the table. Some of our servant leaders, our deacons, will be serving this for this family. And we're going to sing, contemplate, worship, praise, revel in the wonder of the mercies of the cross and the empty tomb as we open and never close the season of Easter, the resurrected Jesus, the grace that is enough. Father, in this moment, I thank you for the joy of your table, for the joy that is set before us. I thank you for the privilege of sharing in this common meal together as the body of Christ. While not physically flourishing as a meal, it is the spiritual nourishment of our soul. And so, Father, we come to you with the weightiness and the wonder of the cross carrying us through this meal. This time of the body and the blood of the cross of Christ celebrated among us. So, Jesus, we worship you in spirit and in truth. In your name we pray and we hold fast. We worship and we share in holy and sacred communion. Amen. This, this table, as the practice of this church, is an open table for all who have believed and received Christ as Savior. We welcome you here. If you're a guest and you have come to know Christ as your Redeemer, this is a table for you. This is a table where we will celebrate together the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And we will remember not only that he was crucified, but we too are crucified and raised to new life in him. Some of our deacons and leaders will practice what they have been called to practice, the serving of this meal. And so as this plate passed, there is a small piece of bread and there is a small cup. If you would take one and hold that, we will actually share in that uh, in a few moments as the elements have been dispersed together as one, as the body of Christ. So, um, men, would you serve? Ryan, would you lead us? <clears throat>